Listener Production. The creators of this podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which it is recorded. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are the first storytellers of this land. We pay respect to their elders, past, present and emerging, as well as any Indigenous people who may be listening today. Hey guys, Charlie here. Before we get into this week's ep, a little bit of housekeeping, just want to let you know about two things. Now, the first thing is that Fofop is moving to Fridays. New episodes every Friday from here on out. Why? Because we think it makes more sense. Friday, Fofop, for 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 it's the F thing, you get it. The other thing is that we're consolidating. We want to make it even easier for you. So we know a lot of Fofoppers listen to Tofop. So we're going to put them all in one place. That's right. From May, the only place to get Fofop will be via the Tofop feed. Two shows, one place. It's never been easier to get Tofop and Fofop. So on the odd chance you don't follow Tofop, just uh, go to that feed, make sure you hit follow, and you won't miss any Fofops. And that's it. Let's get on with the episode. Hello and welcome to Fofop. I'm Charlie Clawson and my guest this week is a TV and radio producer. She's also a dating advice columnist, Jana Hocking. Welcome to Fofop. Thanks for having me on. Long time listener, first time <laughs> guest. <laughs> well, it has been a long time and it's funny because I, uh, I, I've been meaning to get you on for a while. And when I finally found the time to do it, I was like, oh, well, I wonder if I've got Jana's um, number in my phone. And so I put your name into my contact list and I don't have your number, but what I did have was a message from a mutual friend of ours, Cassie. And it's, this is from 2015 and it says, you have to have Jana on your podcast. We've decided. <laughs> so here we are eight years later. It finally well, it happened. Took you a while. Yeah, I'm very slow. I'm sorry about that. It, it takes me a while to get around to it. Uh, but it is so great to have you on because I'm a big fan of what you do, um, especially. And I know that you know this is sort of caught fire in the last couple of years. But your saucy confessions on a Monday, oh my god, that has got me so gripped. And like, I know a lot of people have questions, and you probably get sick of answering them. But like. Where did the idea come from? And then how does the editing process go? Oh, my God. It's it's insane. So, yeah, on my Instagram every Monday night, well, on Sundays I throw out a question to everyone on my Instagram and say, tell me your saucy secrets. By the way, and really, you're bringing saucy yes. back. I have not heard saucy since, like, 1970s British sitcoms, so well done. <laughs> I don't even know why I picked saucy. But I wanted them to be a bit sexy, a bit scandalous. So I, um, yeah, throw it out on my Instagram. I was really, really bored on a Sunday and I thought, and I'd seen someone do, like, you know how everyone does lose, ask me a question kind of things. And I find them a little bit narcissistic. (laughs) So I was like, no, tell me a secret. So throw it out there. And I was overwhelmed because everyone wants to tell secrets. And if you can assure that they'll be anonymous, then people feel a little bit more open to sharing. Oh my them. God. Talk about feeling open to share. Some of the stuff that you get sent, I'm like, whoa. Wild. <laughs> like, Wild. I get asked all the time. They're like, are they real or are you making them up? I'm like, every single one I post is real. How do you know though? It's someone. How do you know that? Because, real? well, well, sometimes, okay, that's a good point because sometimes they're so crazy and I can't see who sends them because it's an anonymous link. So when people submit their secrets, um, it comes up on this little app on my phone and it's just a love heart envelope and you hit the envelope and it's wild <laughs> what these people are telling me. And then I reshare it on my Instagram with a photo that I pick. Um, Which is great too because that little element too is your little commentary and that's what makes it so great because <laughs> I always look forward to what, what gif or what image and sometimes I don't <laughs> know what you're referencing when you'll post something in, you know to sort of underscore or play bass on one of these confessions I'm like what is that reference and then I'm like oh okay sure you yeah. should you definitely shouldn't be putting that there <laughs> <laughs> yeah sometimes if they're talking about like 
blowjobs or um, very kinky bedroom things that I've got up to, I go quite arty. Yeah. So I'll, I appreciate I'll, I'll that. find, um, yeah, I don't go, I don't think I go crude, but I'll find an arty picture of like a grapefruit that perhaps represents a girl's anatomy. Um, but that's half the fun. I love getting the secrets and then I'll spend all Sunday afternoon or all um, Monday night looking for pictures to go with the stories. And um, it's really fun. So um, it started with me just saying, throw a secret my way and I'll share it. And then I think people got spurred on by other people sharing secrets. And what I've learned is everyone is having an affair. <laughs> everyone is in a threesome yeah. at the moment. <laughs> like, these stories are wild and, man, you just can't trust anybody. <laughs> it does, that, I, had that, I had that exact same thought. I'm, I'm like, hey, geez, my life is so vanilla and boring by comparison. But also, like, you know, you think about, like, you know, David Lynch movies, they're sort of, thing that typifies them is he loves to show kind of the ordinary life and then the camera lowers down and you see the seedy underbelly of like suburbia and whatever. That's what we're seeing. And that's what you're seeing. And it's interesting to like that that need to share. Like there's another, there's a Twitter account that does a similar thing called Fesshole. I'm not sure if you're aware of it. No. And it's a, it's a similar thing. It's anonymous. People just post anonymous kind of Twitter confessions and it's like there's this weird need I don't know if it's a pride or it's a, a guilt thing of people wanting to share these secrets. I was raised Catholic, so I'm very, very familiar <laughs> with the art of confession. But when I did it, I was always like I hated going to the confessional. I mean, there's a lot of things to hate about the Catholic Church, let's be honest. But, you know, as a kid, it seemed like such a bizarre you know, sacrament, a, a bizarre request. They're like, okay, you're going to go into this dark booth with this you know, older man and you're going to have to tell him your deepest, dark, darkest secrets and, and beg for forgiveness. And even as like an eight-year-old, I'm like, that's creepy and fucked up. There's a power dynamic right. there that, right. that, is, that, is, <laughs> that is wrong. And so I used to just make up stuff because I didn't want to share my actual eight-year-old deep, dark secrets. So I would go in with the most kind of milk toast, you know, banal, like, you know, transgressions, hope and would get forgiveness. You know, I mean, if God is real, then I'm fucked because I was lying. <laughs> I was lying, but not <laughs> confessing the lie. But then I know like other Catholics who got real kind of um, relief from doing it, you know, and maybe this was in an era before like counselors and therapy and all that kind of stuff, but it must be something, right? There must be some psychological benefit oh, to it. It has to be cathartic. And one thing I learned is like we girls share everything. Boys don't. So now they've got this, um, you know, confessional through my Instagram where they can be like, oh, my God, I've been dying to tell someone that I had sex with my boss's wife and now I'm the father of one of their kids. <laughs> like that one was wild. And I love um, everyone's commentary in my DMs when I post things and they're like, oh, my God, that's so messed up and blah, blah, blah. Um but I think, I think it's a real outlet for people, especially anyone that's having an affair because you can't go tell your friends or, you know, you can't tell anyone. But here they can kind of go, they can tell me and I share it with the world with a funny picture. So. Yeah, it's funny too. Like I, I would love, I mean, I, it's probably impossible to do, but if there was like a, if you could do some kind of anonymous follow-up and see where, so just say, take, for example, the guy having an affair with his, you know, his boss's wife or whatever like where that goes like because i think you know when we do something wrong or there isn't like an illicit affair or something there is this there is like that dopamine hit in the moment you know it's the either the physical pleasure or the excitement of getting away with something or whatever but then what are the long-term outcomes oh, for these things oh. Because, That's what I want to hear. Yeah, don't, I mean, you know, it was probably not as salacious or as interesting. It's not doesn't make for a snappy Instagram story, you know. Well, sometimes it is, and then the boss found out and burnt down his house. Yeah, you know? I want to hear <laughs> <Yeah>. those stories. <laughs> yeah. But it is, but it does sort of come back to that idea of, you know, and again, it's a very Catholic thing um, for me. From my perspective is like, well, what are the consequences of these things? Like, I remember growing up, you know, um, my mother was always very big on 
you know, trying to sort of see things from someone else's point of view or, you know, giving the benefit of the doubt and all this kind of stuff. And so I think there's benefits and um, drawbacks to that. So I, I, I do find myself trying to be quite compassionate to other people and stuff. But then sometimes you can get taken advantage of because you give too much to other people. And then conversely, when you have a chance to get, you know, like the satisfaction or pleasure or something like that, there is this like guilt associated with it. It's like, have I have I earned this? Like my wife, Jem, is really good at just like, no, I just reward myself. I don't have to have a reason for it. You know, if something feels good, it doesn't hurt someone else, then I'm just going to go for it. You know, why do I have, whereas I have this thing of, well, you need to earn reward. You've got to sort of go through some kind of like punishment or there's got to be some kind of hard work before you can enjoy reward. I, I get very uncomfortable with just, you know, pleasure for pleasure's sake. That's very Catholic. That's my confession. I should have, That's a good I should confession. Have I'm already thinking, what picture can I put yeah. with that? Or do like the brain explosion. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think I'm like, damn, I just, because I seek it. Like I seek that reward, whether it's for nothing, like, you know, with this Saucy Secret Mondays, I seeked it because I was so bored on a Monday night. I get a lot of um, kickbacks because everyone goes, can you post them after maths? I'm trying to watch maths. <laughs> so I used to post them at 7.30 and then I realized I got better engagement at 8.30 after everyone had watched maths. <laughs> and they're in that kind of frame of mind for scandal. Totally. they like, they want their next fix of someone cheating or confessing to being pegged i find out i've learned so <laughs> don't just much. tuck that away at the end of this <laughs> sentence anyway moving on uh just got confessed to being the pegged. Pegging. yeah <laughs> i didn't know what pegging was until someone confessed it i have to google when i get the secrets i have to sometimes google what they're talking about and oh someone put something pretty rank on there the other day. And I was like, what is he talking about? And I throw it up there. And then I got all these DMs, people explaining to me what, I don't know, how loose can I go? Go loose. That's fine. Oh, good. Okay. So someone said to me, because there's a lot of secrets I can't post and there's a lot of creepy messages I get. But one guy goes, I use my pocket pussy when I look at your pictures. I've never heard of that before in my life. So I put it on my Instagram. I'm like, what's a pocket pussy? That sounds disgusting. And then I got everyone sending me these links and Google searches. And it's like, and then I got in trouble because I, I found out what it was. It's basically a, kind of like a male vibrator, yeah. right? Like it's a, yeah. anyway, you, you, you all get the idea. <laughs> and so then I put, reposted it. I went, ew, that's disgusting. And then I had to check myself because I got all these guys messaging me going, why are you shaming a guy for using a male sex toy? Um, women feel no shame over using vibrators. And then I was like, you're so right. I fully shamed him. But, like, I'm shaming him because he said he uses it over my pictures. Yeah. That's gross. <laughs> there, is con there is context around that. There I mean, you context. ask, is that an okay conversation to bring up in this podcast? Uh, in the early days of TOEFOP and FOFOP, Fleshlight um, came many a time to see if they could sponsor this podcast. Are you familiar with what a Fleshlight is? Okay. I am now. Now you are now. I yeah, am great. now. <laughs> and we had, like, Will and I, we had serious discussions about it because, you know, we had no kind of sponsorship. I'm like, well, do we want to be the Fleshlight podcast? And I have no issue with people who want to use flashlights, but I just didn't know if it was great. You know, Will has an ABC contract. I'm not sure that that's, that fits with their you, charter. you got to think about that. And I remember when Abby Chatfield first, um, she did a big paid sponsorship with a vibrator company, and I was like, oh, my God, does that girl ever want a full-time job again? Like people are going to look at her pictures on a Google search and say, oh, my God, she's waving around a um, vibrator. And I was quite judgmental on that. And then she paid off her house in Byron Bay <laughs> with, and they sold out of the vibrators she was spooking. And I went, wow. And I think about it completely differently now. I'm like, I mean, she's, she, she backed it a hundred percent. And I still don't think I could wave around a vibrator on my Instagram and be like, buy this. But, you know, I do a moment's condom sponsorship and, and, and I never would have done that a few years ago, but I think there's so much positive um, talk on sex and, um, you know, embracing our sexuality and stuff that now I feel comfortable to do that. But we've come a long way. In Even in the last years. 10 years, like I sort of feel like, you know, as an actor, I've been working on shows recently and 
every uh, good show has like an intimacy coordinator, an intimacy advisor, you know, which is so huge because, you know, especially if it's like you're doing, it doesn't even have to be like a lovemaking scene. It can just be a kissing scene, anything where there's sort of physical contact can be really intimidating, especially for like young actors. And it's funny because you've got that sort of that sort of care and consideration on one hand, and then you have this sort of like body positivity on the other where every girl on the beach wears a G-string bikini now, and that happened so fast. Like I just so fast. I, I just was like all of a sudden there's, there's ass cheeks everywhere, and I live in the northern rivers near Byron, and it's like that's just par for the course. And it, it's really like – I know I'm middle-aged now because I, it sort of takes me back, especially when you see it away from the beach. Like I do yeah. love going onto the Byron Bay uh, you know, Facebook chat uh, forum because it's just it's a, it's a den of scum and villainy. It just descends into chaos within minutes of a – like it can be the most innocuous post and then there's a thousand comments of people just arguing. <laughs> and there was a hilarious post where a woman – um, said, you know, all these girls coming off the beach and going into Woolies, can you please put on a sarong or a dress? I don't need to see your your butt cheeks as you're bending over to pick up your <laughs> cans of corn. And it was just, and it just sparked this huge debate. And But there was this clear generational divide between, mm. you know, people probably my age and up who are like, oh, come on, like, we get it. Your body positivity and we're all for that. But like, there's a time and a place. And then the younger generation who are like, fuck you, who are you going to tell me what to wear? Like, if I want to wear a G-string, I'll wear a G-string. And then you can't really dispute that. Like a town like Byron has had dudes walking around barefoot and shirtless in Woolies for decades. Mm-hmm. And so now mm-hmm. girls are showing flesh. Like, do you really, is it really at the hill you want to die on? Oh my God. It's such a hard one because I'm a little bit on both sides of the fence. Cause yeah, I don't want to go into Woolworths to buy my frozen chicken nuggets and see, <laughs> and <laughs> see, see your ass. Yeah. <laughs> see someone else's nuggets. <laughs> yeah. but I think I've got I've got so much to learn every week like my mum refuses to read my articles my brother has blocked me on Instagram because of my saucy sun secret Mondays um because they're still of that no this is too much women don't talk like this women don't talk about enjoying sex or you know their body hang-ups or things like that they find it way too confronting and I'm not going to, and, and you're right, I'm not going to die on that hill because that's just how they think. Yeah. Um, but I know there's a big audience who we're all kind of coming around to that side of things and being like, no, it's really interesting. And it's the chats we have at a boozy brunch. Like um, when I kept getting saucy secrets that were saying, oh, I had a threesome with this person. Oh, I had a threesome with that person. And so I put it to my friends at brunch on Saturday. I was like, is everyone having threesomes? Because I've never had one. And every girl at that table was like, oh, I've had one. Oh, I had one at uni. I had one here. And I was like, well, what's the difference between talking about it here and writing an article about it or talking about it on Instagram? Yeah, I just think times are changing and it's hard, it's hard, it's hard to keep up. Well, you also don't want to be that person who stands in the way of like, well, I don't want to be that person who stands in the way of like societal progress, even if I don't get it. It's like music, you know, like I I stopped listening to new music about 15 years ago. doesn't mean (laughs) I don't like new music. It's just not for me. And, but like whatever kids want to do and talk about. And, you know, I sort of find it the height of arrogance that sort of, you know, that kind of okay boomer thing, even filtering down to Gen X like me, you know, this idea that we had it sorted out and you're just idiots and you don't know what you're talking about. Like, have we no, do we have no concept of history? The fact that the new generation comes up, they present ideas that the established generation don't like or think are dumb or whatever, and then they get overrun. So I'm not so foolish to sort of stand in the way of progress and think that, you know, my generation's ideas and our, the way we dressed and all that kind of stuff is the way it should be forever. And I get excited, like when I talk to you know, you know, teenagers and stuff, friends of mine's kids or, you know, uh, people I work with and their sense of who they are, you know, the self-confidence, all that kind of stuff is streets ahead of when I was mm. their age. I mean, of course there is the downside of social media and that's a whole other, you know, kettle of fish. I can't imagine what it must have been like to be a teenager when, you know, bullying happens not only, you know, in person, but then you can't escape it. It's everywhere every time you open a device. But I do think that, you know, there is like real benefit 
to what kids are coming up with now and the demands they are making. Like everyone sort of makes fun of, oh, they need safe spaces. and they don't. Yeah, fucking good. Like we should be looking to make the world safer and less threatening and give people more safe spaces, not a derogatory term, for our kids and like the next generation. I don't understand this idea of they need to toughen up. Like we stopped sending kids into factories and coal mines after the Industrial Revolution. That was a good thing. Like, you know, it's this so idea true. that our kids need to like be sent into the army or toughen up, fuck that. No way. Like yeah. we should be endeavouring to make things easier for the, the next generation. Oh, my God. Even the, you know, the way in schools now they're teaching them about um, emotional maturity or you go on TikTok or I call it the TikTok just to annoy <laughs> my young friends. Like, I go on the TikTok. And um, they and there's all these videos on um, mental health practices and all these young kids are just like they're all lapping it up. And I think, oh, my God, we were told to toughen up and I, I would come home and be like, oh, my God, Sarah was so horrible today. And mum would be like, toughen up, you'll be right, rah, rah. Whereas now they've got access to all these amazing um, therapy videos and YouTubers and things like that that are teaching them how to open up and talk about their feelings. And for boys, I think it's going to be a whole new generation of men that are coming through. I think it's there is a lot, there's a lot of bad things to yes. it. There's also a lot of great things to it. Yeah, I've been dipping my uh, toes sort of reluctantly into the manosphere, trying to get my head around like the sort of Andrew Tate of it all. And, and you know, there are oh, some God, really like really disturbing, terrifying, very popular, you know, Instagram influencers, I guess, you know, YouTubers and, and guys on Instagram, just really toxic messages and, and just horrible. But at the same time, I've also been finding there's like, it's the healthy boy movement, which is like guys who are reacting against that, who would be yeah. classed as soy boys. And, you know, I'm a proud soy boy. <laughs> I ate meat, but I'm, I, I would be classed as a soy boy by the manosphere. But I think mm-hmm. it is an interesting debate that has to happen because I don't think like that sort of manosphere, old school, traditional masculinity thing has been around forever. And it's probably been the prevalent, most dominant form of masculinity. But I think we are seeing more um, role models for younger guys, especially like as, you know, these these influencers and YouTubers that are saying, no, you don't have to. There is not one form of masculinity. And it's funny too because I was watching this one guy, you know, these two Manosphere dudes having this really like crude discussion about why they don't go down on women, you know, and how it's gross and vaginas are gross and, you know, like giving a blowjob is not a hassle. There's nothing disgusting about a penis. And I'm like, first of all, have you seen a penis? They are fucking off. (laughs) (laughs) Look down, boys. Yeah, really like take off the cognitive bias. I mean, speaking, we brought up Cassie and I I hope she doesn't mind me bringing up this, but she once gave me the best kind of analogy for this because she was saying, look, all dicks are gross. Dicks are just gross. That's why dick pics and unsolicited dick pics are, are particularly, you know, unappealing. But she said, then you meet a guy that you like and it's the best dick in the world. And it's I'm so like, true. oh, okay, that makes sense to me. <laughs> it's so true. It's so odd because, yeah, I have this conversation all the time. I get sent a lot of dick pics. Oh, my God. And, uh, like, I'm always going to look at them. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated, but I find them quite gross. But same. But then I was dating a guy, a guy for ages and he sent me one and I did. I found it saucy. I was like, oh, yay, this is a bit exciting. But send them to a girl without any notice and bloody hell, they're, they're very ugly. Really very ugly. ugly. They're not photogenic at all. And no. <laughs> it's also too. So these guys were having this conversation and they were like, it was really interesting because if I, as an armchair psychologist, I'm hearing these two guys talk about how much they hate vaginas and I'm like, oh, you're gay. Like it would make that's where my brain went. Yeah, completely makes sense. Like Mm -hmm. they seem so repulsed by the idea Mm -hmm. of cunnilingus. I'm like, oh, that do you guys are you guys aware of what's going on? Like maybe (laughs) you need to speak to one of your soy boy mates, someone who will listen to you, express Mm -hmm. these emotions, and give you some guidance to where your heart truly lies. Because to be that feverishly anti-woman and anti-like female anatomy. I mean, where else does it, I mean, where else can you go with that? There's always an undercurrent to these guys, like the Andrew Tates and everything. There's always, if you dive deep, this anger towards women comes from somewhere. Like there's a guy in America who, um, he has half a million followers, YouTube followers, and every week he takes one of my articles and he dissects it. 
And that article might have taken me 15 minutes to write and he'll spend 40 minutes on this YouTube video dissecting it, saying I'm going to die with cats and I'm a massive hussy. And and I sit there going, I put less effort into writing that than you are. <laughs> but it's really creepy because he, um, he's got this big, he, it looks like he's in his mother's basement. And he's got this big American flag and all these men write comments underneath, rah, 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 yeah, she's going to die with cats, rah, rah, rah. And I look at him and he's this ugly, short little man. And I think I never, because everyone goes, oh, isn't that horrible? Don't you get really upset? I go, no, because I look at him, one, it gives me great engagement for my articles. And they all come for me on Instagram, which also is great engagement for my Instagram. So, like, thanks. Um, but they, but I just find him a really sad, angry man. And I think, oh, you're that guy in high school who got rejected by women and instead of, like, you know, maybe going to therapy or using healthy methods to get rid of your rage, you've chosen to just build this, like you've dedicated your life to this rage of hating women. And I just feel sad for him. Yeah, I mean, it's funny, like I went to an all boys school and I would say like the the chances of me turning out like that, even I was raised with six sisters, you know, my father died when I was quite young. I was very close with my mother. So I had all the strong female influences, but being surrounded by other men who echo the same sentiments, because that I did have this attitude around girls as a teenager that like, I just didn't like they just annoyed me. They seemed too like emotional. I didn't, you know, I couldn't. And it was and it was nothing to do with being rejected or whatever. It was just because you sort of are speaking into this feedback loop where, you know, you're just making stuff up about girls. <laughs> like you just you're coming to these complex psychological conclusions that you're just guessing. And then your mate says the same thing. And it was funny because and there's also the Catholic thing as well. Like I had this idea that women didn't like sex, that it was something that they right. endured for our benefit, right. you know. That's how and, we grow up. And it was this really – and it wasn't until like I left high school and I went to university and suddenly, you know, I'm hanging out with girls as friends and, you know, and, and like we met this group of girls at uni who were all staying together in this house and they just like – they – took me and three of my friends and like that was our sexual awakening they just <laughs> i mean if you reverse the genders people would be like oh that was horrible they took advantage of you but like we were quite How happy horrible. to be yeah. to go like after <laughs> class go around to this house and like you know that's i lost my virginity there and then you know mm -hmm. like and they were so confident these girls and also like but but sensitive about it as well like it was a really positive kind of experience and it kind of really sort of made me go oh my god like where, where, where have I been for the last four years? Like, where's my head been? And, you know, that, the idea of just single-sex schools, I'm like, it's just a bad idea. Like, I, I, I understand, you know, there is sort of academic benefits to separating boys and girls because there's less distraction. But if you're going to do that, then I think you have to amp up the social interaction because otherwise you get mates like that weirdo American guy. He's just, mm -hmm. he's just festering away and he doesn't mm -hmm. have the opportunity to meet real women and talk to real women because – some of the, you know, I see some of these manosphere videos where they talk about women. They just want, you know, they're, they're, they just need compliments and they want to go with money and blah, blah. And I'm like, maybe you're hanging around with the wrong girls. <laughs> like, right? And it's also like women aren't this monolith where it's like they, no. they're these like, yeah, I'm sure there are women who are incredibly shallow or superficial or whatever. Fine. Don't go out with them. Don't date mm -hmm. them. That's fine. Take them, take them off Avoid the menu. Them. But this mm -hmm. idea that like, all women are like this. I'm like, you just haven't met enough women, it sounds like. Well, he's not in his basement. <laughs> he's not in that little dark basement he lives in. But they're also so intimidated by women as well. Like this is a shy guy who might be too scared to go and chat to women. So he's chosen the path of hating them. And it's like, man, what a therapist could do to him. Like let a therapist get their hands on him and sort it out and his life will change. Um, I think it's really, it's, but it's that pack mentality as well. Like he found other men who are exactly the same as him, who were happy to jump on board because that's an easier belief than looking deep into their souls yeah. and realizing that, you know, well, it's also, insecurities. it's also that thing too of, 
like even if you are a confident guy who can talk to women and stuff, this idea that a relationship like, you know, you find a 10, you know, she doesn't want your money, you know, <laughs> she's a great, you know, she wants to have kids and say, like, so it's every kind of like old school manosphere fantasy woman, right? But the idea that you enter into that relationship and then everything take care, takes care of itself for the next like 50 years, you're fucking crazy. Like relationships take work and they change over time and people change over time. And, you know, it's, I just think it's so, as someone who has been in a relationship for 20 years now, like, you know, I've been married for uh, eight years, you know, in a relationship for 20, like it's constant maintenance, you know, and I don't think that I could have found anyone different 20 years ago and it would have been smooth sailing like right up until like it doesn't exist but you know there are these guys who are like well you just find that 10 who wants to be Susie homemaker and keeps her hands off your cash and then you don't have to worry about it you're just gonna have a bunch of beautiful babies and blah 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 no mate that's not true then, do they expect to be perfect as well like no of course they, not. <laughs> they're right, the men. Right. they don't have to be like their but value they can was go not have on sex with someone else and like they can spend all their money gambling but she better be perfect it's, but it, it's also that but it's also that gender um inequality thing that i always find so weird like uh, you know some dudes you'll catch up for a boys weekend or you know whatever and they're just so excited to be away from their partner and, and the way they talk about them i'm like why are you with them i mean you know i don't understand like Gemma and i often work together you know and people are like oh i could never work with my partner i'm like that's bad you're saying that as if it's like a good thing that's bad like yes, you should be yes. looking you should be looking for someone that you you can do the most things possible with i understand you don't have to work together and you shouldn't be in each other's pockets and you know jem's been overseas for 3 weeks will be away for 4 weeks that's good but when you're together you should be like it's a, it's a team it's a team effort thing. I remember once working with a guy and uh, Jen was away shooting a commercial in the States. She's going to be away for three weeks. And he was like, oh, man, aren't you, aren't you worried about her? And I'm like, well, what do you mean? And he's like, are you worried that she's going to cheat on you? And I'm like, hey, like I would love to meet the dude who thinks he could walk up to my wife, drop a line. And like if, he, if, if, that, if, that, if there's a dude out there who can drop a line on Jen and get her into bed, <laughs> good fucking luck. It took me almost six months. So, you know. Bravo. Yeah, bravo. Like, I doff my hat to you, sir, if you think that you're that good. But also this idea that you can't trust your partner, that, you know, like, admittedly, I've never been cheated on, and so maybe I'm a bit kind of naive to all this. But I also think that, and maybe this isn't like I'm an egomaniac, but I think if someone was to cheat on me, I'm like, fuck you. Like, you just destroyed you just destroyed what we have. You just gave up. I was willing to, you know, give you everything. If you're just going to cheat on me because some dude fucking bought you a drink, then, you know, and that's maybe what these guys are missing. (laughs) Oh, completely. And it's interesting because I love hearing stories like yours where you have been married for 20 years because I can't seem to stay in a relationship for 20 days. So (laughs) I'm always like, how did you do it? But what it sounds like is you guys are best friends friends like do you think at the core you genuinely just have to really like that person yeah what's I'm, your secret I, well, I don't know if there's a secret I mean it's hard work like it's it's uh, you know it's funny once there's this um bright eyes song called first day of my life and I remember hearing it on the radio and it's like it's such a beautiful like song and there's a line in it um where he says uh I'd be I'd rather be working for a paycheck than trying to win the lottery you know, talking about his girlfriend. And I got home and I said to Jim, I just heard the most romantic song. I played it for her. And she's like, I'm not a fucking paycheck. <laughs> I'm the lottery. I'm the lottery. <laughs> wow. So I, I, and you still got married. Yeah. So I think it is a balance between like, yeah, you know, you've got to treat that person like they're the lottery, but you've got to be working for the paycheck. To be honest, I think we are lucky in the sense that, you know, um, our, our, our personal interests and our professional interests kind of align, but not in a way that is we're treading on each other's toes. Like we have the same group of friends, um, but we also have separate friends within that group. Mm. So, you know, we can hang out together or we can hang out separately. Our careers, we both work in film and TV. Sometimes we work together, sometimes we don't. I travel for work, she travels for work, you know, and so there's we're lucky in that way because I imagine it would be hard if, you know, she worked uh, like an office job and, you know, I was going off to shoot something or whatever and it just – she wouldn't really understand the world I work in or, 
you know, sometimes being an actor is a weird job and, you know, you're kissing people who aren't your partner and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, there is a lot of kind of um, uh, just luck in that relationship. But I do think when we first got together, um, it was a long-distance relationship. So, um, you know, we sort of had hooked up uh, in Sydney and where I was living, but she was in Melbourne. And then she went back to Melbourne for like four or five months. And we were both single and we both had complete, you know, freedom to do whatever we wanted. But I just really liked her. And so we'd talk most nights and we'd talk for hours on the phone. And I think that set the groundwork for what was to come because we didn't have the physical you know, yeah, uh, you connection, which get to know each other. Yeah, which can be misleading. You know, because uh, you know, I've had past relationships where it is, you know, like it starts off gangbusters, but then it quickly dissipates, and and that is the other thing is like, you know, it can't be one thing. It's it's got to you've got to sort of have all these boxes ticked at the at at, at, the, at different times or at the same time. Um, and so the other thing was. She didn't need me and, you know, like it was kind of really, really a turn on to have someone just like she broke up with me like so many times in that initial phase, like she just was not interested. And I just had this real sense of because prior to her I'd been single for a long time and I actually was like, oh, well, maybe this is, you know, maybe that's where I'm I'm just going to be a guy who, you know, is single. And I was cool with that. Like I don't have any – um you know, issues with, with, I don't believe you have to have a family or kids or a partner or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. just do, do, do you, mm-hmm. but there was something different about that. And I think a lot of it was just that, you know, intellectual, emotional connection. And it's not to say we haven't had like ups and downs, like all couples have been together that long. Um, but I do think respect is like the number one thing, you know, like there's been occasion where we've spoken to each other disrespectfully and it doesn't fly, you know, like it's just you can't be in a relationship with someone who doesn't value you or condescends or, you know, and I'm, I I, I can be incredibly um, emotional. <laughs> like I would say maybe she's got a. You are such an actor. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. But I'm getting, I'm getting better at sort of, you know, understanding that, you know, uh, my, what my triggers are and, and, you know, now that I'm a dad too, because that's a whole different set of um, pressures and, and anxieties that you feel when you've got a kid in the mix. But if anything, I think that that foundation then helps, you know, when you start bringing kids in, because it's like, I see her with our daughter and it's like, oh my God, she's amazing. Like she just, you know, she just has this connection. And there, I, I do think that mothers and, and children, you know, especially mothers and daughters, there is this you know, it's like a, just this very special bond. Mm. It's a chemical connection. Mm. And then as the dad, you lumber in and you try and like, you know, <laughs> comfort or do something that doesn't have the same effect. But yeah. from that, you do learn lessons about just um, guys like to fix, you know, when there's an issue, there's a problem. We like, okay, what action can I take to fix this in the fastest possible way? Sometimes that's not what, not what that is not what's needed. It's just like, listen, just be present. Just, you know, let that child cry, you know, give it some comfort. Don't fix the problem. And then, you know, as an adult relationships, it's the same thing as well. You know, sometimes you just want to be listened to. You don't want solutions. You don't want uh, things will be okay. Just listen to me. You <laughs> know, just hear things yeah. out. I hear that in um, I, uh, like I read a lot of dating books and follow all the, you know, YouTubers and stuff like that, and they say the same thing. They say the best thing a man can say to a woman is, when she comes in and she's in a real tiz, you've got to say, do you want my advice or do you want just want me to listen while you vent? And nine out of ten times a woman will say, I just need to vent for a hot second. And they say that's a – I think it was um, Iris Iris Perello. Oh, I can't remember her name. She's this famous relationship psychologist. <laughs> really good at quoting. Um, but she's – yeah, I'm pretty sure she said that. She's like – Men do go into fix-it mode, but women just want to be heard. And she said that's a game changer when guys start asking that question, like because you just you do like it's all it's all with a good heart. You well, do want to fix things. It's being comfortable sitting with feelings of distress. You know, like that's why you know I had real anxiety around. I mean, I have anxiety in general. <laughs> I had Welcome specific, to the anxiety club. <laughs> I, I had anxiety um, leading into childbirth because I'm like. You know, I don't 
I don't know how I'm going to go seeing my wife in distress, you know, and it's very physically demanding. And like, so I went back into therapy <laughs> to prep for it. And I it was love funny. That. That's so healthy. Because I was talking to my psychologist about it. I was like, you know, I'm just like the idea of seeing her screaming. And, and he's like, so how, how many childbirths have you witnessed? And I'm like, none. But, you know, I've seen movies. And it's like, yeah, hang on. He said, you're an actor, right? I'm like, yeah. And it's like, so you know in movies and TVs, they show you the most dramatic, you know, version of an event <laughs> to so make it true. exciting. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, childbirth can be quite like, you know, there's peaks and troughs. It can be quite calm and it can be quite stressful. And it was just this kind of simple, like, mental adjustment I had to make. And then, you know, watching her go through that, you know, it was a, you know, knock on wood and, you know, uh, we were very lucky. It was a very complication-free labor. Mm. She didn't have any drugs or anything, about 14 wow. hours. Bravo. Pretty amazing. But watching her, like my expectation of what she was going to go through was like, oh, my God, like she's just in agony and there's nothing I can do. But it wasn't like that at all. It was like the analogy I use is it was like Jen was competing at the Olympics in weightlifting. And it was incredibly physically taxing. And there was times you're like, oh, my God, how is she going to do it? But you also had this confidence that she's a trained athlete and she's going to get through it. So more than anything, it was like I had ringside seats for this kind of incredible. <laughs> I mean, at one point, you know, she'd been sort of laboring for like four or five hours. And, you know, we had a, a doula with us because we don't have any grandparents or anything. Or we're no support like that. So we had this doula. And um, she was so great at sort of, you know, calming everything down because I'm like, do we go to the hospital now? It's like time to go to the hospital. (laughs) And she was like, no, no, no. And Jim was like, I'm so exhausted. I just want to rest. And so she sort of flopped on the couch and the doula said, it's okay, Jem, you know, it's your first child. Sometimes this can take up to 48 hours. And Jem's like, fuck that. And so she gets up and starts marching up and down the hallway and doing these like power squats, like get up off me, you know. And the it's all just the curries. Turned, yeah. <laughs> so the door just turned to me and said, that's amazing. She's got like perfect, like there's women in, you know, Africa. That's like how they, they do standing childbirth holding onto a tree. Jem's like got power stance going on right now. Yeah, I've seen that video. Oh, my God. I remember seeing um a video of the um, African woman doing that. And I was like, oh, she made that look so easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I find childbirth so petrifying. So I like hearing stories like that because you do. You're so right. You only hear the stories of, I got stuck for 48 hours and then I left it too late to take the medication. And this. we do. We only hear the scary stories. But, the, yeah, you're right. My mom was the same. I was three weeks early and she goes, you were out within 20 minutes. I'm like, okay, we need more stories like that. <laughs> wow, we need really? To share. Yeah. yeah, my brothers were different. You know, they're a punish, so that makes sense. You just <laughs> couldn't wait. You just had to, I mean, three weeks early and out like in 20 that. minutes, you just, Jana just had life. to take the world on. You've got, I've got things to post. <laughs> and nothing has changed. <laughs> Saucy Secrets Monday is coming. <laughs> um, I love what you said, though. I find it really interesting what you said about how you were long distance and so you had to get to know each other. And I was thinking about that with lockdown because there's been so many successful couples that have come out of lockdown because they all matched on Bumble. And instead of, you know, matching and then having those cheeky one-night stands and then swiping on the next person, everyone was forced to stop and date old school where they, you know, you had to go for walks in the park or you had to do video dates and things like that. And I think so many proper relationships came out of lockdown because they kind of did what you did. You had to get to know each other before you saw each other naked. It's good. Well, I just can't imagine, like I often think about, geez, if I had to, 20 years out of the game, if I had to re-enter the dating market, there was no apps or anything like that. Like I would just, um, part of me thinks I just wouldn't try. Like I just, I guess I'm single now. (laughs) Like I mean, alone, not single. Like Like, it seems so weird and scary. I used to love, um, uh, when I was on set, the the makeup girls, they, there's a bunch of them that were on um, Tinder at the time and I was like, what's this thing? And they're showing me and I'm, and they're swiping and I'm like, oh, wow, this is so much fun. And I used to like get really excited for the lunch break because I'd sit down with the makeup girls and I'd go, not him, him. No, not him. No, he looks weird. Not. And then I yes. said to Jem, 
I said, look, can we get Tinder? Not, I don't, I'm not looking, but I just, think, I think it's fun. Maybe on a Friday night we can, we can just like swipe left to see who we want to like date or not just for fun. And she's like, absolutely oh not. <laughs> you are- oh God. <laughs> and then you got divorced. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you know, it's that was wild. years ago. And then, you know, I sort of, I've read some, some, some of the stuff that you've written about and, you know, like it's, it's, it's can be so dicey and, the genie's out of the bottle, right? Like it's just convenient. You know, I'm sure there's real benefits to it. I'm sure there's long-term relationships that have come out of apps. But do do you lose something in that seeding of the relationship, you know? Because it's basically a sales pitch, right? Like this is Completely. me looking my best. These are the things I like, you know. But ultimately mm. you still have to cross that hurdle of, oh, this is me in real life. This yeah, is yeah, me and it's never the sitting- same. Is it never the same? Have, no, so never. Has anyone well, exceeded your expectations? Like you've, yes. Okay. And it's always the ones who have shit profiles. <laughs> like oh, the ones good. that put so much effort into their profiles. And you might have the best text banter and you're like, oh, this guy is wild. Or you make up stories based off their pictures. Like there was this one guy who had lots of pictures of him at festivals. And I, I like extroverts. I like the loudest one in the room. And he looked so fun. So in my head, and this is on me as well, I went, okay, so he's this fun party animal, crazy guy that goes to parties in wacky outfits. And I got to the date and he was this nervous wreck and he couldn't say anything and he was like a real kind of quiet, chilled guy. And I was like, that's on me because I, I'm in my you head. You created this oh, fantasy. Totally. They can never live up to it, ever. Um, but I just think I always find it fascinating because I've got a lot of friends now also post-pandemic who are getting divorced and and I've got one friend in particular and he just can't wrap his head around it. He met his wife at high school. They used to talk on the phone every night, like physically have to talk to the parents and be like, hi, is Jenny there? Can I talk to her? Oh, the most terrifying phone call a teenager ever had to make. Just get through the gatekeeper to get to the girl that you want to talk to, oh boy. Always. And I, I used to tell my brothers, tell Michael I'm not here. Like my oh. brothers used to break up with boys. It was horrible, horrible, oh. horrible. I know yeah. I was a bit of a bitch. Um, <laughs> and so, but now you just kind of swipe left, right, go on one date, maybe have sex with them. You're bored because you haven't got to know them properly and you're on to the next person. Like there's such a thing as having too too many options. And he loved it when he first got into the dating game. He was kind of rebounding and he's like, oh, these women. And then he started going broke because it's really expensive dating, going on a million first dates. Especially in Sydney, my God. Oh, my God, yeah. It's so expensive. And and then, you know, he he just, he tapped out for like six months in the end because he was like, it was so exciting and then it was so horrible. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I I would imagine. Well, have you seen this that series on Disney, Flashman? What's it? Flashman's in oh, trouble, um, or the Jesse Eisenberg one? Yes, I've seen the trailer. Everyone's right. raving about it. Yeah, and I've seen the first three episodes, but it's exactly that. It's a guy who's gone through a messy divorce, and you know, it was a girl he met in college, and now he's like in his mid thirties, and he is just having like so much sex and new girls all the time, and but there is this sort of sense of hollowness to it oh that's exactly what it is this idea that it's so on tap and it's so easy and then this idea of like well what are you even working towards because i mean i don't know like i I, and again i'm not i'm not in this world at all and and it's not i'm passing judgment but i i just wonder like relationships that come out of you know shared interests you know either someone that you meet because you go to the like a, a gym yeah. or like a social yeah. catch up or whatever, or mm-hmm. work relationships within certain confines, and when there's no when there's no power imbalance, you know what I'm talking about. No, no, Diana. that's you know like so mean. many. I've never done that, Charlie. That <laughs> sounds wild. <laughs> um, no, but it's true. Like so many people, married people, they worked with because that's how yeah. you meet my and brother. 
Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. My mum and stepdad, they had a cheeky affair. It's all very illicit but exciting. He was, She was a nurse. He was a doctor. It's so cliche. Oh, it's so hot. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was. I always joke. I say to them, did you fall in love because she was an operating nurse? So they'll, like, cut open bodies. <laughs> <laughs> Over, like, an open chest, yeah. open heart surgery or something. Was it cardiac something? surgery Could that I, you yeah. fell in love with? Eyes met over an exposed rib cage. Boom, 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 boom. Like, over a heart. Yeah. Happy Valentine's Day. Pass the scalpel, I love you. Like, yeah. um, but that, that's how people meet and it totally makes sense that people fall in love at work because you see each other at your best and worst, right? Like you see them when shit hits the fan and you get to see how they react to stress. And sometimes that can be sexy. I love a shower, um, which is probably something I need to go to therapy for. But, but it's true. Like I love meeting people out in the wild and I've been off the apps for about six months and I was worried. I was like, I'm not going to meet anyone because no one chats each other up anymore. But can I say to anyone single at the moment, give yourself a break off the apps because you do, you meet them through your friendship group or at a dinner party or you're right at the gym. And it's so much nicer to meet people in real life and to actually get to know them a little bit before you go on a date rather than just throw yourself so in a date. So as a single girl, what's some etiquette though? Like just say, you know, you are at the gym or, or no, a place that is not like, you know, supermarket, whatever, that's not a dating environment. Like I've always sort of felt like it's inappropriate to approach someone in an area where they're like, you don't want to ambush someone, you know, unless you ha- are patient and can play the long game. So you say hi one day, the next week, a bit more of a conversation, week three, a bit more of a conversation. And then by week four, you've got a banter and you're like, hey, you know, do you want to grab a drink or something? That's exactly But most guys it. don't have that kind of patience. It's like, hi, here's my number. <laughs> you know, yeah, I really is. like you. <laughs> yeah. like. Um, but you do. That's ex- you're, you answered exactly how I was going to answer it. You have to play slow game don't look thirsty if you look thirsty it's all over red rover unless you brad pitt and then you can look as thirsty at me <laughs> as you like <laughs> um but i think you have to do that don't go all in it does people find it off-putting um i had a guy i was at kmart not yesterday the day before and every aisle i went down he was there and was and, and that's a problem. It came across as weird, and he wasn't like a weird. He was a normal looking guy, but it just I felt like oh, he we was get like that going for yeah, it. he was yeah. normal looking. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, didn't give off serial killer vibes. Uh, okay. yeah. <laughs> Apparently, that's who that's who you need to be. There's no about. podcast series being created about him. Good, good. <laughs> well, not yet, not, not yet. yet. But he um. But he just, I could feel, I was like, oh, I feel like this guy is about to approach me, but he's doing it really, really awkwardly. And even when I got to the checkout, he was there. And then I didn't really think anything of it, went home. I was on Instagram that night and I look in my DMs because I love seeing what random messages I'm going to get. And I got a message of him saying, oh, my God, I feel like I stalked you around Kmart. I just really wanted to come up and say hello, but I was too scared. Anyway, I thought I'd slide into your DMs and do it this way instead. And I was like, yeah, that's where you went wrong. Like, Did you tell him that? No, I didn't write oh, right back. I, okay. I didn't engage because he's not for me. <laughs> and that's yeah. the problem. He put me off because he was – he was too thirsty. So I first remember, of all, don't look thirsty. My ex-girlfriend, I remember she was waitressing at this cafe and there was like um, building works happening a few doors down and she went to her car and there was a note under her like, you know, um, a windscreen wiper and it was this really heartfelt note about like, hi, you know, I've been watching you, <laughs> which is a bad, bad start. <laughs> And, um, you know, I think you're the most beautiful girl I've ever seen. And if you could be willing to take a chance on me, blah, 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 blah. And she was like, and she was very sweet, you know, and she didn't, she, 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 her concern was like, oh, I don't want, you know, I don't want to let this guy down gently. I don't want to make him feel like I've let him on. I'm like, you haven't done anything. You've just been living your life. He's created this narrative around you. I said, if anything, like this is completely inappropriate like he he's putting pressure on you or guilting you into giving him a chance like you don't owe him anything but I was also like what is this guy's like how does he 
has, has he gamed this in his head? Like, how, did, oh, how totally. do you think this is going to go down? Do you think that the, she's just going to call you up and go, oh, my God, I was waiting for a creepy anonymous letter yes. to be left under I my windscreen you, wiper? I found you. <laughs> no, I think it's exactly what you said. Like, if he had come into the cafe and had a bit of banter with her and then come in the next day and then form a friendship slowly, 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 and then when you feel comfortable enough, say, oh, that band you were talking about, let's go see them or, um, hey, would you be up for a drink? Or I think I think you have to play the long game in real life. Or the other thing you can do is like if you meet them at a dinner party through a friend, I think you should always scope them out through the friend. Use the friend. Say, can you go sus if they might be interested? And then there's not that pressure. I hate people who come straight up to you and you're like, do you want to go for a drink? Because yeah. women... We, we're, too nice. we're too nice. We go, okay, and then we're like, shit, we don't want How to. How do I get out of this? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think too, like, neutral ground, like, group situations are better, you know? Like, Always. Where it's, you know, so you can, because, that you know, if it's a like a lunch or a party or a get-together, whatever, barbecue, lots of people are talking, there's lots of chances. So if there's someone that, I'm like, why am I giving the fucking dating advice? This oh, is no, ridiculous. No, I'm um, actually in a relationship. Jem, Jem loves setting people up. Like it's a little kind of thing. She loves being Cupid. And her thing is always, oh, I'll just create, I'll just do, create an event, you know, where groups come together and that way they can interact without yeah. there being this pressure of one-on-one or whatever. And dream. naturally, but you do that a couple of times, two or three times. Oh, we're having dinner here and, oh, we're going to the beach. Oh, do you want to invite so-and-so? And I think that that more or less, you know, works. I do remember the one time, you know, when I was single, I, I went on a blind date. Someone did that reverse letter drop to me, except they had gone up to one of my coworkers and said, hey, that guy, blah, 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 could you just give him my number? And so I remember I sort of came back from my shift, uh, my lunch break, and they're like, oh, this girl. And I was like, oh, okay, was she attractive? And like, oh, yeah, she's super attractive. And I said, did she seem cool or was she weird? And they're like, oh, no, she seemed really cool. She's English. And I was like, oh. I said, I'm putting a lot of faith in you guys. Yeah, I'll give it a shot. Seriously. So I, so I called her and we met up and she was lovely, mm-hmm. um, but no chemistry. Like absolutely, mm-hmm. you know, there was nothing wrong. It just mm-hmm. was like, oh, I'm, I could, like we were running out of things to talk about within half an hour. And it sort of got to the point where I was like, this is a bad set, setting for a date because- there's, there's no excitement. Like if anything, I felt like duty bound or, or some weird. And then I felt like, oh, I, ha- I, you know, like I'm the one who took up the offer. So therefore, you know, I should stick it out. Oh, I get it. And that's what every Tinder date is. That's what every Bumble date is. And it's the same. And it's like, well, they bought me a drink. Like, am I expected not to put out? I've got a yeah, yeah. cheap But just to stick it, stick out, stick it out the date. At least. But stick yeah. out the date. Like that is the problem with these blind dates. You feel pressure and you're so right. If it is the barbecue and it, it's organic and organic fix up is the dream and the best. But yeah, I don't think it's going to happen overnight. I, I always question, like, there's those things at the moment. There's an article the other day that said it, people are hanging around supermarkets now and if you have a um, bunch of bananas in your oh, yeah. cart, that's, it means you're single. And that's I was been like, around for ages. I yeah, thought yeah, I had yeah. too. But I was like, what if, what if someone just genuinely wants to buy bananas? <laughs> like, are they putting themselves out there as single when they're not by accident? I don't, but I don't believe that people get picked up at, at supermarkets as much as we hear they do. Like, I don't think it's it's common. But yeah, the long game and and you've got to also got to think about like if you do end up together and you have kids, like what are you gonna what story oh, are you gonna tell story. about how mum and dad met? We met in the produce <laughs> aisle. Your mum was squeezing a watermelon and it turned me <laughs> on. Yeah. <laughs> I went up to her and said, you can squeeze my watermelon. Yeah, well, if you're expecting a watermelon, it's more of a kumquat. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's, yeah. Well, your dad was a bit of a creep and I yeah. really fell for it. No, <laughs> I love mad stories. Like I love the fact that mum and Pete met you know, cutting open bodies and fixing hearts and broken bones and things like that. But I tell you what, there's a lot of people out there who are getting married now who met on Tinder and Bumble and things like that. So- well, it's interesting you sort of say that because 
you're right. Like that's a really interesting, unique story. Yet what dating apps are kind of doing is funneling everyone through the one door of interaction and sort of robbing people of those chance encounters, those weird seeding of a relationship. Like that that's not going to happen if we're all just kind of signing up for this very prescribed way of meeting where you post seven photos, you write a bio, you swipe left, you swipe right. How do you have those kind of like? How does a rom com exist in that world where there's a meet cute moment? You know, you both walk dogs at the same time, or blah blah blah. You know, whatever it is. Exactly, and I think you can use them. Like I, I was thinking, I was like, who was the last person I went on a date with? And it was someone who slid into my DMs on Instagram, but I had met him already, so we had our meet cute. And so I think Instagram is a good way because it's like, well, if you're a little bit too intimidated to ask someone out when you meet. I don't mind the sliding into the DMs and being like, hey, it was so great to meet you, really enjoyed it, we should go for a drink sometime. So you've had your meet cute and then you've backed it up that way yeah. instead of kind of putting them on the spot when <laughs> That's you meet not, them. I followed you around the supermarket <laughs> like a weirdo <laughs> staring at you in the vitamin oh aisle. And it's so embarrassing. Like the Kmart guy, I literally was like, shit, what was I buying? Like it was not a sexy trip. I was <laughs> buying um, – dog toys and dog biscuits for my dog and I bought a really ugly candle and I was like no this is not how I meet my guy (laughs) he didn't even have a dog what is he doing in the dog aisle oh the whole thing the whole thing was just bad 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 (laughs) meet them first and then slide into their dms (laughs) yeah yeah don't be a creep first I think is the message we can take from this podcast yeah don't be thirsty so great to have you on the show. Uh, we'd love to get you back at some time. I mean, I feel like I've exhausted all my <laughs> all my dating chat, but maybe, maybe if uh, I come across some of your weird saucy secrets, we, we have enough fuel for another podcast. Oh, my God. I'll start collating them. Where can people find you online? Uh, so Instagram, Jana underscore Hawking. Um, I also write for news.com, Daily Mail, uh, New York Post. So just Google my name. You'll find some horrific dating story on there somewhere <laughs> and uh the saucy secrets you asked for uh confessions on a sunday night and they go up monday is that right yes please please give me some you'd think i'd be running out of secrets by now but i'm not so keep them coming nah, it's great it's a very entertaining way to spend your monday evening <laughs> take it from me uh Jana, thank you so much for coming on the show we'll speak to you next time thanks charlie Listener.